Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. So I want to welcome you to a story writing uh, seminar. God is writing a story. You are a part of that story. You're a big part of that story because it's your story, right? But it's not your story alone. It's God writing your story, I hope and pray. I hope you can delineate between the two because you can take the pen back from God and you can take it over and write your own story. But I really hope and pray that you will let God write your story. It's because of what, 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 what Solomon experienced in his own life of the ups and the downs and the disillusionment. And when he was writing his memoirs, he said this about God, that he has made everything beautiful in its time. I don't care what you're going through. If you're being pressed like the wine press, like we just sing about, God makes everything beautiful in his time. If God knows how to get my messed up, broken, unfulfilled expectations kind of life on a beautiful track, Sign me up, God, here's the pen. Because I want you to make everything beautiful in this time. That is a powerful verse to think about, but it goes on from there. That he has also put eternity in every man's heart. That means there is a spot inside of you. There is a hole inside of your soul. There is a part of your being that can only be fulfilled through a relationship with God. God has put eternity in your heart. Uh, Augustine said centuries ago that, uh, of, of the reality after 32 years of writing his own story and promiscuous living and far from God, he said this in his own conversation back to God. He said, our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. Our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. There is something about us in that cavity, in that hole, in that space in our soul that until God has filled it, consumed it, alcohol can try it, drugs can try it, sex can try it, success can try it. You can put a lot of things in that hole and it will be a hole and it will consume it. But I want us to write a beautiful story. I want a beautiful story of my life. I want God to write it. And as he fills my heart, the thing is, is I don't know how my story is exactly going to end. I don't know how your story is exactly going to end. But the verse goes on to say, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope. I don't know the whole story of God's work from the beginning to the end. God is at work. He's writing a story. And you're invited to be a part of this cohort called Grace Point Church. This community, this covenant community called Grace Point. As we see God take the pen and write the story of our lives. A part of that, as Dallas Willard said, he calls us to an apprenticeship with Jesus. And living in this apprentice relationship means I'm going to allow God to write my story. So I've given them some time to reflect on this this past week, getting ready for today and thinking about the message and all. And I think about as God wrote my story. I think about when God was writing my story as a junior in high school. Writing my story out 
And I can remember when God began to write my story and write in there that he was calling me to do what I'm doing right now before you. I'm, in the, I'm a, a sophomore to junior in high school, and God began to tell me that he was going to do it. And I said, wait, God, I've got multiple reasons why you don't want me. I've got a rap sheet of things that would make a parent blush to know that their child has done. Said, done, been a part of, contributed to. That, that was my life. I said, like, God, you can't use me. I, I, and I, you, and you've heard my story if you've been around here at all. I struggled with school. I was not the sharpest tool in the shed. All right? And all of a sudden, as God is calling me to, to, to do this right here, I had all kinds of excuses why he couldn't. And then God took me to one of my life verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. God chose the foolish. Sign me up. That's me. The weak, the low, and the knots. So if you ever feel like you're just a knot, God can use you. God can hit straight licks with crooked sticks all day long. In fact, it was in that junior year that I heard this phrase along these lines, and it really stuck home with me, is that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. What is God writing in your story? How is he writing your story out? What's he saying? Where I don't know how it begin. I don't know how it's going to end, but he's writing it. This, so the big lesson that I took away from that thought in time and, and epic season of my life is the depth of God's love. And the depth of God's love told me this, that God can love me and use me despite me. God can love me and use me despite me. That's the depth. It can go as deep as you are, as shallow as you are, as all that you've gone through and all that you've done. But he not only taught me in my, in my early years the depth, but he also taught me about the breadth of his love. He taught me about the breadth of his love when one day God called me uh, on a two-week mission trip to go to the Ukraine. Two years after the fall of communism, I load up with a bunch of uh, master's students and we were working on our graduate work and I had to go on one of these trips. So I went on this trip to Ukraine and it revolutionized my whole thinking about this world. I began to see the breath of God's love, that God's love reaches places and peoples that I don't, I don't even know. And that's why even still today, I mean, I went to, the, I went to, to the Ukraine whenever communism and all of the atheism of communism was alive and well, and it was all ending and crumbling. And here we are now facing another invasion of communistic thinking in Ukraine. Listen, that hits home with me. Because I was in the schools, I was in the places of work, and they were hearing about Jesus for the very first time. And let me just tell you, from 1993 to the present, you talk to any missiologist who knows Eastern Europe, the greatest movement of God in Eastern Europe has been happening in the Ukraine. Now, wouldn't it be horrible for communism to squelch that out? God taught me about the breath of God's love. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18 says, your roots will grow down into God's love. Keep and keep you strong. And, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's uh, people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the Father's love. Listen, 
The story that God wants to write in you is a love story. A love story that he has for you, that he has, that he wants to tell through you, that he wants to take to the ends of the earth because of you. And this story, as we talked about a few weeks ago, as we talked about even last week, and by the way, I got to tell you this, when I brought this board out last week, Lori told me this after the service, when I brought this board out last week, she got real nervous because I was going to start writing on the board. And I said, no, 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 honey, it shapes this week. We're doing colors next week. And so I'm not writing anything. All right. This is shape number one. All right. Or a straight line up and down. It is where God comes to us and we enter into a relationship with God. It is this beautiful combination. And listen, we don't make our way up to God. God comes down to us. We enter into that relationship. And I said this last week, I cannot think of a single other religion in the world that doesn't tell you you've got to be good enough, you've got to be reincarnated enough, that you've got to be baptized enough, that you've got to go through these laws and rituals enough, that that's going to get you maybe up here. And all along, God comes down to us and he enters into a love relationship with us that we reciprocate. He gave his son, John 3, 16. We give our love back to him. That we, the number one commandment, the top commandment of all is that we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. In fact, Henry Blackaby goes on to say, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. So this right here is not a static one and done. I did it when I was eight and now I'm okay. No, no. This is a continuing love relationship as he pours out his love on us. As we grow deeper in his love, we also grow deeper in our love with him. So that's what we're called to. But a beautiful thing happens is this spills over to this. We move from this love relationship here. I know God. God knows me. We're knowing each other uh, kind of relationship to I learn to love others better, more fully, more completely. I love my neighbor as I love myself. That's a pretty high standard. And that's the second commandment that Jesus says that we're to do. To know God, to love people is what we're called to. It's, it's God starts inward, he moves outward, then he moves deeper. Let me tell you that the story doesn't end here. The story comes out from here. And we're called to live sent. You'll hear us say around here a lot, our values, our foundations that we're building our life on, that we're going to try to help you build your life on is knowing God, loving people, and living sent. And it's not just a cool, cool, cute, a couple of words thrown together, thrown up on a t-shirt or something like that. This is actually biblical. <laughs> in fact, Jesus said it like this in John 20, 21. He said, I said to you again, like he's going to, I'm going to keep repeating myself here. Peace be with you, my as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. 50 times in the gospel of John alone is the word sent. And most of the time, it's either God sending his son or it's God's son sending us. The live sent is not just our phrase. It is the gospel of John. It's the gospel of Matthew, Luke, and John. And not only that, it's even in the book of Acts, and you see it manifest throughout. 
that calling that I would live sent every day of my life, with whatever relationship I'm in, in those showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people, that's what I'm living out. But it only happens because I'm in a love relationship with Jesus. And it's growing, and it's maturing, and it's becoming constantly. And I'm learning to love my neighbor, but I'm seeing my neighbor and understanding my neighbor deeper. And so because of that, now I've got to go out to the people who do not know who Jesus is. We call this the Great Commission. Now, you'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter uh, 28. Now, I'm not going to read it to you in uh, Chui uh, from Ghana. You heard that. If you're Ghanese today, then you've already heard this. But we're going to be in Matthew 28. Now, you'll notice to find the word Great Commission. Great Commission wasn't attached to this passage and to Acts and to John and, and the other places. It wasn't attached in Mark chapter 16 until the 17th century. And all of a sudden, they started calling this the Great Commission. Now, whenever they call it the Great Commission, why are they doing that? Because it's great. It's big. It's huge. Okay. It's huge, it's big, it's great in scope, okay? There are 12,115 people groups. That doesn't mean 12,115 people. It means massive amounts of people that speak a common language, have a common worldview in this world that need to know who Jesus is. 195 nations, but yet we're called to the very last one of them. It's great in scope, but it's a great in priority, when I say great in priority, I mean that it's like, it should be top burner for us. Four Gospels, the book of Acts, all in the last 40 days of Jesus' life on the earth. So he, he lived, he did ministry, he died on the cross, he rose from the grave. 40 days until he ascends into heaven. In that 40-day period, five different times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, does he record one message. That one message is putting it as the priority task of the church, and that is to make disciples. In fact, when you look at our purpose statement as a church, this is not new. This has been it from the beginning, reworded and all that kind of stuff, but it all comes back to the great commandment and the great commission. This is the purpose, to glorify God through the great commandment and fulfilling the great commission. That's what we're called to. Now, take your Bibles. Look at Matthew 28. This is one of the five. One of the five. This is in the southern, excuse me, in the northern region of Israel, along the Sea of Galilee, just outside the city of Tiberias. There is a mountain. According to all trails, it's 600 feet elevation climb from the, from the Sea of Galilee to the top of this mountain. And looking out over the valley and looking out over the city of Tiberias, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, but there's also other people there. Some people believe that this is when 500, 500 people appear and see the resurrected Jesus. I don't know that. The text doesn't tell us that, but listen very carefully. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain. Jesus likes climbing mountains. He does it all the time. We can point those out some other time. In which Jesus had directed them. And they saw him and they worshiped him, but some doubted. I like that statement. I like the authenticity of it. I like the fact that there are worshipers in the room and there are doubters in the room. And I have to believe that in this room right now, there are worshipers and there are doubters. And you know what? That's okay. 
This is the place where you can process your doubts. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now let me ask you this, a little grammar, okay? Not that I'm the person to be teaching this, but let's pretend. Looking at that statement, can you find the verb? Now teachers in the room, don't cheat, okay? You already know it probably. But looking at there, you could probably make a case for go. You might make a case for teaching and baptizing. Where's the verb? In the Greek, if you understand the verb, it literally unfolds and unlocks the, the scriptures in the Greek New Testament. You understand the verb, everything else peels off of the verb. The verb is not go, the verb is not baptizing, the verb is not teaching. The verb in this sentence is make disciples. Now, why do I make such a big deal of that? Because again, it's going to unlock the whole passage. So whenever we talk about going, we're going to make disciples. Whenever we're talking about uh, baptizing, we're baptizing because we're making disciples. Whenever we're talking about a teaching, is we're teaching because we're making disciples. It's like this. If you went home today and you told your kids, hey, you need to clean your room. And that was the command. Go clean your room. Now, if you're like us when we had kids at home, one person's version of clean is not the same as another person's version of clean. Can I get an amen to that? So what you have to do as a parent, you have to go, go clean your room, pick up your toys, clean up your dirty clothes, and make your bed. What you did is you gave them a command and then you qualified or you modified that command. So exactly what Jesus does here. He calls us, to one task, make disciples. Disciples make disciples. That's what we're called to. Disciples make disciples. And how do we make disciples? We make disciples because we go. We make disciples because we baptize. We make disciples because we are going to teach them. Now, so I want to ask us three questions. If we are going to be great commission Christians, like there's really not a, a great, I almost don't ask that question that way, but it's true because there's different categories of what people feel about Christians. So if I'm going to be live up to the Great Commission as a Christian, what does that look like? Three questions. Number one, am I going? It's really simple. Outline's really simple today, right? Go. Go means go. All right? You can't have gospel without go. You can't have good news without go. You can't have God without go. Go is just a part of what we do as followers of Jesus is we have got to go. Verse 19 tells us that we are to go, but not only go, he tells us to go to the nations. Now that's a, that's a pretty broad camp, right? We're to go. But as we're going, we're going to go to the nations. And as we're going, we're making disciples. Now, what does that look like? When you look at the world and you try to get your minds around the world, then you got to understand the people groups of the world. I want to come back to the 12,115 different people groups out there. Those are ethnic groups. That's It's more than 196 nations in the world today. It changes constantly, believe it or not. But there are 12,115 
people groups that are out there. And this panta ethne phrase is the calling to go to the ethnic groups, not to the 196 nations. So that means we got to think about ethnic groups out there. Of those ethnic groups, there are 7,254 of them that don't have, that have less than 2% that are followers of Jesus. Less than 2% are followers of Jesus. And then you go even further and you go into the unreached and unengaged peoples of the world out there. There are 3,167 of them. When I say unreached and unengaged, that means there's not a pastor, there's not a Bible, there's not a missionary, there's not a church, there's probably not anybody even praying for them. And they don't even know that God came down to earth, that you can enter into a relationship with God and it can be a beautiful ongoing relationship and that you can actually get along with your neighbor when you learn to love your neighbor because you first loved Jesus. They don't know that. And we take that for granted because we can opt in and out of church any day in Northwest Arkansas. I ask you, do you have a passport? Are you ready to go? Matthew 24, 14 says in the gospel, the kingdom uh, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. We want to see the income. Let's get out and let's get the gospel to everywhere. Will you go for two weeks? Will you go for two months? Will you go for two years? Will you go for two decades? I don't care. Just go. It's a part of the command. Listen, when we go, we can go physically and we should, but we can go spiritually and we should. We can go to the nations as a person. We can go to the nation through prayer. Hopefully when you came in today, you grabbed this little sheet of paper If you don't, on your way out, grab it. Make it a part of your prayer focus, your prayer strategy. If you have one, if you don't have one, now you do. We have local ways that Grace Point is investing, local ways that your offerings are helping to support local ministries in the area, local ways that we can help show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people right on the front page. You turn it over, you have all the ways globally that we are engaging. We are a local and a global engaging church to try to show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Let's Do it. Going is a part of what we're called to. Next week, we're going to kick off a series of messages called Make It Count. It's going to be through the month of October. And what if you, in a love relationship with Jesus, loving your neighbor, took this seriously in your own backyard, in your own sports teams, at your own gyms, in your own workplaces, in your own schoolhouses? What if... You took this so seriously that you could literally make a difference in a person's soul in their story. We're going to talk about this because realize if you're not going to the nations, the nations are coming to us. In Bentonville Public Schools alone, there are 64 countries represented in Bentonville Public Schools. There are a million students internationally who come to our, our, our universities year over year constantly coming to our universities. Here's the sad fact about those million students. 70% of them will never darken the door of an American home. 
Never have lunch, never have coffee, never be invited in for a holiday. What a shame. And 85% will never be invited to a church. The world is coming to us. Are we going to the world? Are we going to our neighborhoods? Are we going to where we live, work, learn, and play? And are we taking what we got? Which leads me to the second sequential move of a Great Commission Christian, which is, am I seeing transformed life? Am I seeing confessions in Christ? Whenever he says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you've got to realize, what is baptism? Baptism is a declaration of my salvation, of my faith in Jesus Christ. And so if I go, and I'm making disciples as I go, there will be people who are like, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Sign me up. One of the first acts of obedience for every believer is baptism. You see it throughout the New Testament. And it's believer's baptism. That's why we espouse it. We're not trying to degrade anybody's experience as a child and what their parents did for them. But we're trying to say, as a follower of Jesus, I'm declaring my faith in Jesus, and I do it through baptism. Baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're, Jesus commended it. He commanded it. It's common practice in the first century. It's a time of celebration of new life, of that confession in new life in Christ. I, I, I say it like this. We have a job. Our job as the church, as the followers of Jesus Christ, is really simple. We throw parties in heaven. We're the party planning committee. For heaven. Mike, were you making that up? Luke chapter 15, verse 10. I tell you, there is a joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Whenever we live sent, showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversation with everyday people, when we do that and people begin to hear our gospel, see our gospel, sense our gospel, Jesus in us, and they want it then we are setting them up to enter into a relationship with God and declare it, and there is joy in heaven over that. You listen, let me tell you. Confession. Doing people's baptisms is not my greatest joy. Now, please understand, if I did your baptism, yes, it was yours, yours greatest joy. Uh, no, the, the, the point I make here is me doing everybody's baptisms is not what I get excited about. What I get excited about is when a friend invests, invite, pours into, intercedes for a friend far from God. And they actually help them come to faith in Christ. So they go, they make a disciple, that disciple confesses their faith in baptism and that friend baptizes the friend. All day long I'll take that. That is the best. Whenever a friend brings a friend, when a disciple makes a disciple, that's what I'm talking about. And whenever you look at a couple of stories just recently in our church, you have Holly. Holly, a little over a year ago, lost her husband, Dave. Incredible individual. Suddenly, heart attack, incredible loss. She goes to grief care and begins to find healing in grief care. And um, she meets Joni. Joni had just lost her husband. They become friends. Holly, in the midst of her grief, 
invites Joni into this relationship with Jesus, brings her to church, tells her about Jesus, introduces her, ends up leading her to faith in Christ. And it's beautiful whenever you see that on the day of Joni's baptism, it was Holly standing at her side. A friend baptizing a friend, a disciple making a disciple. But it doesn't end there because Joni brings Savannah. And Savannah becomes a believer in Jesus. And in Holly's house, at her lake house, we're standing out in the middle of muddy water and you see Joni and myself and Savannah and she gets baptized. But it doesn't end there. Because Joni then invests in, again, friend, relative, Megan. And Megan was baptized at our last baptism. That is a friend who brings a friend, who baptizes a friend to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? That's right. But don't you feel bad when your kids show you up? So let me talk talk about an 11-year-old, Hallie Kate. Allie Kate is as quiet as you can get. But she was praying in her neighborhood that she'd have a friend. And she didn't have one there for a while. All of a sudden, she meets a new friend, and her new friend is Maddie White. She begins to invite Maddie to her church here, and Maddie enters into a relationship with Jesus. And at our last baptism, you can see Allie Kate standing there right next to her friend, as she is baptized. Can I get another amen to that? That's right. (laughs) Friends, don't let friends live without Jesus. Friends bring friends to Jesus. Disciples make disciples. And listen, let me just say this. If you're here in this room today and you're hearing this and you're thinking, okay, what's my next move? Listen, our next baptism is in November. If you've never given your life to Christ, one, you can sign up for the baptism. You've never declared your faith in Christ. Let's do it. But maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm, I don't know what that means. I want you to text in. Just indicate that you're, that you're interested in like, hey, I, I want to talk with somebody. We got GPC Connect. You can text in to 97000. A pastor will reach out to you this week. We want to walk with you. As you walk in your faith, because why are we going? We're going to make disciples. We're going to make disciples when we see people confess their faith in Jesus Christ. But it's not only there. It's am I helping others apprentice Jesus? I've got to go. And when I go, I see confessions of faith. And I see confessions of faith, I don't just leave them there. I actually... Help them enter into an apprentice relationship with Jesus. I walk with them. I talk with them. I pray with them. Now, whenever it says teaching them to observe, don't get overwhelmed by that phrase. Because this might be perceived as teaching. I call this talking, okay? Whether or not you're listening is a different thing. Whether or not you're being taught is a different thing. Real teaching happens Side by side, shoulder to shoulder, walking through life. And when Jesus actually was in the first century doing teaching, it wasn't in a classroom of 100 or 200 people, him lecturing for an hour and then walking out or taking a test. It was actually walking by the Sea of Galilee. It was walking through the busy market street. It was having meals together. It was doing miracles together. 
That's what we're talking about when we're talking about discipleship. It's life on life, life with each other, helping people become fully obedient, multipliers, following Jesus, that hopefully every morning when I wake up, I will look, listen, lead, and love a bit more like Jesus. And I hope that the people that I am in a discipleship relationship, they will look, listen, lead, and love a bit more like Jesus. It's not teaching them to know, it's teaching them to observe, to live out what Jesus lived out. To know what he knows, to believe what he believed, to live as he believed, that's what we're called to do. Now I can tell you this, that since the dawn of this decade, what we have seen in America, in the world, in churches, and in families, I have never seen a more fragmented, polarized, intolerant, and impatient world than the one we live in right now. Four years of tension and bifurcation that is not necessary. The shallowness and the impotence in disciples inside and the church has been nauseating and I, the pastor of this church, confess that I have not been a good disciple maker. So I'm not pointing fingers out here unless I'm pointing fingers right back here. Because that's what this four years have taught me so well. We, are t- we find our truth by our cable news networks and not the word of God. We're more influenced by influence than we are influenced by Jesus. We prioritize sports and dance over worship and service. We would rather build walls and privacy fences than get to know our neighbor and show and share Jesus with them. We live in a world where the church is sadly caught up in it. We are discipled more by our cable news than we are by the word of God. I can tell you this, we have recognized it as a church and we as elders and pastors of our church, we are turning the ship in a different direction. This past week in our elders meeting on Thursday morning, we started off and it was one story after one story of celebration of disciples being made. Because what we are called to is to make disciples. And as we're going, we do it. And we're baptizing and we're doing it when we're seeing them confess Christ. And whenever we do that, we've got to come right behind that and disciple them in that relationship so that they're walking with Jesus. See, church is not a destination that you come to. You didn't come to church today. Church is a movement from which you are sent. You're called to go. You're called to make disciples. All of us are, if you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, this is where it starts. Do you know Jesus? Would you bow your heads with me? Taylor gave us a moment of silence. I want to give us another moment of silence.
Because if we're going to build our life on the abundance of God through Jesus Christ, if we're going to let him write our story, one that is beautiful, I need to know God. And in turn, I will love people. And in turn, I will live sin. But do you know Jesus? Do you know God through Jesus? We're going to be celebrating here in a moment those who are followers of Jesus. What's called the Lord's Supper, it may be called communion in your your tradition, either one of them. It's celebrating our communion, our relationship with Jesus. There's an element of a bread, there's an element of a cup, and both of them have such significance when the the bread symbolizes the body of Christ. The cup symbolizes the blood of Christ. And had Jesus not come, come to us and spilt his blood for us, we would not have a relationship with him. Across the front, there's a table Across the back, there are three tables. If you have a relationship with Jesus, we invite you to participate. If you don't, and you're sitting right here right now, and you're ready to say, yes, Jesus, I want to be a follower. I want you in my life. I want to be in a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Right here, right now, tell Jesus this. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want you and I need you. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, come into my life. Be a part of my story. Write a beautiful story in your name for your glory. I want to read one more verse so you can look up. If you want to, if you need to remain in a spirit of prayer, do that. God made him who had no sin. This is the story that God writes. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. That's called substitution. He steps in our place He takes on our sin, our guilt, our shame, our brokenness. He takes it on. So that in him, not any other way, not through church, not through baptism, not through a handshake of the preacher on the way out the door, but through Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That beautiful story that we talked about in the beginning is whenever I look, listen, lead, and love a bit more like Jesus, when the righteousness of God is in me and it is flowing out of me. This is a time that you can enter into this. We're not going to tell you when to go, okay? You may sit there for a long time. You may get up immediately. This is your space. There are three tables in the back. There's one at the front. If one gets too crowded, go to the other. Father God, you know our hearts and you know our minds and you know our space. 
And you know the story that you're trying to write, a story of righteousness, a story of beauty, a story of forgiveness and reconciliation, a story of bringing all the shame and the guilt and putting it on you, Jesus. That's what this meal represents. You taking our shame, our guilt, so that we could take your righteousness. Jesus will never be the same. And our story will never be more beautiful than when we trust you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.